Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Five hundred thousand listens. Half a million listens. That's a million ears listening to the Winged Wheel Podcast. It's a bold assumption to assume there aren't any tragic injuries involved with our listeners, and they all still have both their ears. I'm very sorry to any uh, anybody who's only listening one ear at a time. But in any case, <laughs> that was a milestone where about a couple months ago, I looked at you guys and I was like, hey, we're going to hit half a million pretty soon. We were all kind of like, whoa. And then we knew it was coming. We knew it was coming. We knew like the episode where it would happen. And we posted the episode. And then for the uh, rest of the evening, I sat there refreshing our stats page up until it happened. I am. We were all floored. Just like over the moon. The fact that we do this podcast every weekend during the season twice a week means we kind of get lost in the weeds on things. And we sometimes aren't very good at taking a step back and appreciating how amazing you guys all are and, and all the support you've shown us and how big this has grown. And so for there to be a huge anchor milestone, like half a million listens, like I genuinely I'm not going to lie to you guys. I genuinely got emotional. Like I was sitting there and I was just like so proud and I felt uh, what is it when you feel good about the world? It starts with an H. Um, hellishly. Unfamiliar. <laughs> I was just so elated. Uh, Mel was sitting next to me and she was like being so kind and supportive as she always is. And then I messaged you guys. And then I think Evan had a normal response. And Brad goes, yeah, I knew it happened. <laughs> I figured she t- would have turned the lights on and been like, Ryan, why are you sobbing in the dark? <laughs> no, that's normal. That's yeah. a normal evening. Ryan. Ryan, were you watching Marley and Me again? <laughs> Listen, man, don't watch that movie after 11 p.m. It gets very sad. Uh, no, uh, thank you all. Thank you, everyone who's listening. If this is your first time listening, thank you, too. I, I, for the first time in my life, I have no words. I have no more words for it. You guys have made us the biggest Red Wings podcast in the world. You have given us half a million listens, and it's not even going to be long before we reach a million. I'm not going to give anyone a date because I wanted to be a little bit of a surprise. But the only time I can give for certain is that we'll hit it before the Toronto Maple Leafs even sniff a Stanley Cup. Oh, I mean, obviously, it's going to be within the next millennium. <laughs> uh, this isn't a Leafs episode, though. I know there's been a lot. Ah, well, I'm sure we'll touch on Mitch Marner. But uh, no, 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 I'm done. <laughs> no, Brad, you can't. You can't push away content in the off season. We have to take what we can get. We're beggars now. Remember that. You know, Chuck Norris just said he's going to storm Area 51. Send out a Snapchat. Oh, you guys aren't going? Uh-huh. Oh, I can't. I've got to get the day off work. Everyone else at work took the day off already. <laughs> I uh, this, this Area 51 stuff is so stupidly funny. I love it so much. They can't get us all. <laughs> uh, regardless, in true Detroit Red Wings fashion, to celebrate um, us having 500,000 listens, um, there's actually Red Wings news. Which we broke. That was fun. Dun dun. Hockey insiders with three Z's. With three Z's or Z's, depending on which side of the board you're from. I also don't know uh, which you, side says Z and which side says Z. Here in Canada, we're Z. We're Z. We're Z. And in, in Americana, it's Z. I'm not even a faithful disciple of Z, honestly. 
I kind of switch back and forth depending on how bougie I'm feeling. <laughs> it was funny. We had some Americans in our, our math um, class. class. <laughs> I was trying to think of what a group of people in a math program are. Losers. <laughs> um, and they would say Z. And so the professor would be like, would like do a momentary pause, be like, what letter is that? Really? And, I, yeah. Well, there's an answer for this week. It's going to be Z for the foreseeable future in honor of Agent Z, RIP Riptorn. Mm. Look at that. Topical. That is topical. Pop culture. Brad. Major proprietor of? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, news that we actually got to break. Um, I w- I've never tweeted faster in my life, especially after we had the Iserman news and we had to sit on it until it came out. I was like, the next chance we get to break something big, I'm not waiting. I mean, we still have to confirm it. But regardless, um, Tyler Wright is out as uh, director of amateur scouting for the Detroit Red Wings, which means that is the last major Holland disciple or um, piece to leave the Red Wings. Um, it wasn't a move that was really a secret to have. Like, it, it was pretty likely to happen um, in the timeline as to when it happened made sense. You don't want to get rid of your head of major department before major department's biggest major date, that being the draft. Um, And this is a pretty common occurrence, or at least not uncommon in the hockey world. Um, But it was noticed that on the Red Wings uh, staff page, it was updated, and Tyler Wright wasn't listed, as well as some other uh, pretty big names in terms of scouting, both professional and amateur scouts. Um, And some of those actually have already made their way over to Edmonton. So Edmonton has announced Tyler Wright as their new director of amateur scouting. So uh, Tyler Wright joined Ken Holland. He was also drafted by them as well. Oh, yeah, he was. it seemed kind of like a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. And it's this was kind of a long time coming. And um, when you talk about philosophical beliefs in terms like a belief system in terms of like amateur scouting when a gm leaves and when he's been tied to one amateur or director of amateur scouting for so long it's not really a surprise that this happened but still huge news for the red wings because outside of getting pat verbeek as the assistant gm scouting and amateur scouting was the biggest department where eisenman had to kind of stake his flag and, and shape it into his own so that was uh that was some pretty big news that came out, what was it, a Friday night? Thursday night? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't too late, though, because I was still swamped at work. I remember that. It you, was like 6 p.m., yeah. Yeah, you sent me like, hey, deal with this. And I'm like, no. <laughs> well, I tweeted it out, and then I realized that like this isn't prime time for anyone to be paying attention to hockey. And I'm like, this is big news. And I just messaged in the chat. I was like, hey, check Twitter. Uh, and Evan goes, whoa. <laughs> Evan goes, I, I retweeted. I'm like, yeah, good. <laughs> Attaboy. Um, That's what so- he Played your strengths. <laughs> Jeff Finley was the chief amateur scout. Uh, Andrew Dixon, uh, amateur scout. Glenn Murkowski, which was a long time. Well, it happened a few weeks ago. He was a pro scout. And Archie Henderson uh, was a pro scout. Uh, and they all left with Tyler. Or they left uh, the team. Not all of them joined Edmonton. I'm trying to find the exact list. Archie Henderson as director of pro scouting and Tyler Wright as director of amateur scouting, respectively. They joined them over there. So, what does this mean for the Detroit Red Wings? Uh, The key thing that this means for the Detroit Red Wings is when you go through that list of names of who is departing, the two names that I did not want to see depart under any circumstance were not on that list. Chris Draper is still a Detroit Red Wing, and so is Hakan Anderson. Mm -hmm. So, I'm taking this as a better than expected. 
Um, we'll dive into, you know, Tyler Wright's legacy and, and how he tied into the Holland belief system and, and everything like that in a little bit. Um, I'm not going to openly bash him and I'm not going to openly praise him. I think amateur scouting is a pretty difficult thing that if anyone says they can put their, you know, finger on it on and get the pulse consistently, they're lying. Um, but essentially this is Eisenman's chance to really, really, really define it as his team and what he envis- envisions it moving forward. When you come into a, a brand new organization, which by all accounts Eisenman did, it'd been a decade since he'd been with the Wings almost, um, you can't just come in and blow up the ship two months before the draft. It was a month before the draft. Yeah, like a month and three days before the draft is when Eisenman got there. You cannot get rid of your director of amateur scouting. Two and- months. April. 19th. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I had it as May in my head. Um, you can't get rid of your director of amateur scouting and your chief scout and all of these guys who are major players. And, and like these scouting teams are big, but by no means are they massive to the point where you can just kind of cut off the head and the body will survive. And so the, he knew he had to see it through. I take it that this has been an arrangement that's been in the works for some time. I don't think Tyler Wright was shocked or devastated by this. Um, And for anybody who had the notion of, well, how do we know he didn't sabotage the draft? Look, this is a league uh, built on honor and the honor system. It's the old boys club. No one's going to torch a team on their way out. That's just bad business. That's not to say that Tyler Wright isn't going to bring all of the good information that he had over to Edmonton. Of course, he's going to do that the same way Ken Holland did. But you can trust the fact that they were doing the best the, the best job to their abilities up until the last day. Um, Chris Draper is set to be the new uh, director of amateur scouting after that. Um, Un- unofficially at this point. It's, it's not been announced. I think it would surprise legitimately everyone. Uh, every source that we've talked to, everybody who's in the know that we've talked to is has the same response. And it's, oh, well, yeah, duh. Um, if you guys want a little bit of a background on, on what Chris Draper is, he's a fiend for information. He's uh, pretty progressive in terms of hockey technologies and looking at new outlooks. And when Holland was still in and we are all kind of pulling out our hair on, you know, this guy's too old school or this guy's, you know, not doing enough. You um, Draper and Sean Horkoff were the types that were tapped as, no, these are the guys pushing the envelope who want to do new things and, and uh, get all the information they can. I think it's Max who's been on here to say, like, Draper is just like an absolute fiend for information. He wants to get every piece of information, use every technology possible. So what does this mean for the Wings? Uh, Completely different outlook on amateur scouting. Um, Possibly building out an analytics uh, program or utilizing analytics. Um, You know, basically, it's not going to be the status quo. And if the Red Wings have been guilty, for lack of a better word, of one thing over the past 15 years, it's been the status quo. So that's exciting. I'm my tone suggests otherwise because it's still pretty early in the morning. <laughs> but this is a move where, without like just completely trashing Tyler Wright and the work he's done, I'm genuinely very excited about it as a Red Wings fan. I'm looking forward to what Chris Draper can do. I think this is a natural next step for him. Um, and <coughs> starting next year in a 2020 draft that's supposed to be even better than this one, that's a that's a great thing to have happen right now. I haven't been excited for our first round pick minus Zadina because he fell to us mm-hmm. since Dylan Larkin. Were you yeah. that excited about Larkin? Yeah, Larkin wasn't like touted as a home run pick when we when we made it. Like I, it was, you it know was what, a I, fine I, pick I, at the time. What was it? Was he was he at fifteen? Yes. So I mean, you could kind of see it coming. 
he was kind of the the guy that they would I was like it makes sense for them to draft him at that number so I mean that's the last one I was excited about other than Zadina but I mean we didn't have to do anything to draft Zadina he literally fell to us and we sprinted on stage to draft him (laughs) this is true (laughs) that's that's the one thing so 2014 was actually Tyler Wright's first draft of as director right the Larkin draft was his first kick at the can I believe was that the first one where he was where it was his show I'm pretty sure so I've got it open 2014 we took Larkin Turgeon and Chase Perry Julius Vahatalo, Axel Holmstrom, and Alexander Kadyakin. Kadyakin. So yeah, yeah Larkin and N, that would be considered a good draft. I wouldn't say he he did bad. Like you know, Larkin and N. Okay. If you get your franchise, like not not franchise player in terms of output, but like the face of your franchise in a draft, that's a good draft automatically. Even if you don't get a single other NHL player out of it, it's a good draft. And looking at Christopher N in the fourth round, possibly being a, a fourth line center on this team. That's a good draft. Yeah, it's, that, it's not a home run draft because you only got two players out of it, but it's but considering one of them was Dylan Larkin, it's a great draft. You yeah. know, and then the next year we Svechnikov and Sariarvi, not bad. Uh, it's not looking great right now. Now, mind you, I agreed with this Svechnikov pick at the time. Yeah, he was best on the on the he's board had, for me as well at that pick, but that's not. He's had a terrible. St- luck since being drafted yeah this is true he his first people already forget his first year in the ahl he had a pretty exciting year yeah and then the next year you know there's uh Chalowski and heronic and philip larson that could be a massive home run draft um, right now. two the, of your top four in your franchise goalie all potential <laughs> now mind you jury's still out on all three of them although Ooh. although it looks like heronic's going to be a grand slam in the second round uh, Chalosky, more likely than not to be a regular in the top four. And Philip Larson, uh, goalies are voodoo, so we never know. But he's shaping up. He is the top goalie prospect in the system right now by a lot. And he was drafted in the sixth round. That's a fantastic draft. And then I, it's probably too premature to say like the 2017, 2018, 2019. Well, drafts. no, 2017, I think we can start forming okay, opinions so, on because well, they didn't resign. They, they did not sign five of their 11 picks, which is Horrible. So Rasmussen, Lindstrom, Kotkinsalo, Zablocki, Gallant, Petrozelli, Setkov, Frazier, Adams, Webb, Gilmore. Here's the thing. 2017, five of them are already out. That's bad. Um, you know, I'm not going to... This isn't a, a knock on Rasmussen himself, but that probably wasn't the right pick that they made at that time. You, It's looking like the players that were taken after him are already projected to be better. Now, we still don't know about Rasmussen. But if we're going to have an honest man's outlook here, we're talking a uh, good third-line winger that's a power play specialist is a good outlook for Rasmussen. That's not a bad thing to have on a hockey team. Not that's at not, nine. Not, that's not what you want for your ninth overall To be pick. fair, five of those picks are outside the top 100, and they have a snowball's chance in hell of sticking in professional hockey now, in North America. Now, the problem I have with the 2017 draft is because this is the one where the, the Wings brass just out and out came that size was their focus in this draft, which in the year 2017 is just absolutely stupid. Yeah. It's insanely stupid to have a themed draft. You should always go best player available. And But just to remind everybody before we bash on 2017 too much, when we say Rasmussen was a bad pick, we don't mean that as he's a bad player. Yeah, no, no. No, it's just we still feel there were several better options available at nine. And as time is progressing, it's looking more and more of that to be true. That does not mean 
give up on Rasmussen and no. call to trade Rasmussen. And he's say, who we got now. We got to work with what yeah, we have. He's by no means a bust. The guy's like we've talked a lot about his path. So spark notes: uh, the transfer system between the CHL and the NHL and the AHL is really weird. He basically had to jump to the NHL too soon because he was tearing up the CHL, coming off multiple injuries. Multiple injuries has not had a solid summer in the gym to actually recover and build, and it has not played at the appropriate level of hockey that he's been due for. Yeah, he's been stuck in this like purgatory zone. Yeah, of, you know, nothing left to prove in the CHL. Still, probably not adjusted to the NHL game. Well, definitely not adjusted. Would definitely benefit from playing top line minutes in in, in Grand Rapids. So there's still a chance Rasmussen can turn it all around and make us, you know, look stupid here. And I'm not going to call it likely, but it, there's enough of a chance on every part of the board where he's by no means defined as a prospect, and you have to be patient with him. So in a vacuum, yeah, that's Rasmussen. But considering the whole draft. Still looking right now like not the correct pick. Yeah, like Gustav Lindstrom was a reach at where they picked him in the second round. Again, for a a steady stay-at-home defenseman with some two-way ability. Again, just philosophy-wise, that's not the type of player I I generally pick there. And it looks like they did it again with Tuomisto this year. Although Tuomisto's offensive upside is is listed as being higher now than what Lindstrom's was at the time. So... Tuomisto was a right pick. Tyler Wright was apparently huge on Tuomisto, and that's why they took him there. Yeah, that so, doesn't surprise me. That seems like his type of pick. The his- best pick we ever had was um, in 2018. We drafted uh, Consmith winner Ryan O'Reilly at number 98. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and here's the thing, too, is now moving to the 2018 draft under Tyler Wright. I'm not going to criticize him for it at all because it was a fantastic draft, but it's also hard to praise him for it. Like when Zadina and Valeno just fell to him. Like, what do you have to do? Like, what expertise do you need there? Well, you know what? We've seen not this- tripping on your way up to the stage. That's yeah. the only level of ex- expertise you need there. The thing is, we've seen this team in this this uh, the scouting group take not take the easy Valeno pick because they had someone in mind. I mean, with the two Amisto pick, you'd think the obvious choice would be Hoaglander, right? Yeah, but mind you, four teams passed on him after us as well, so there might be something there that we just missed. Yeah, he didn't fit Eisman's one piece that he told his scouting team, which was, I want nobody, I don't want a person unless they give 110% every shift. Yeah, but Hoaglander fits that. Uh, I thought he had... Uh, oh no, Hoaglander's the little spitfire, like he goes a million miles an hour. Interesting, maybe I'm mixing up my scouting profile. Yeah. Um, Anyways, but 2018, I, like, okay, I understand your point. But you can't discredit him. No, no, you can't discredit. I'm not. Holding Somebody it. has to draft them. <laughs> I'm not holding it against him. I'm not saying like, oh, he sucks at his job because he made the easy picks. No, he he did a good thing making the easy picks. And then apparently Bergeron was going to be their pick at 30 had Valeno not fallen. And they got him again at 33 anyway. And then McIsaac at 36. It was a phenomenal draft and he deserves all the credit in the world, but not. Too much credit. Uh, Alec Regula, Seth Barton, uh, both looking promising, if not. Yeah, I mean they're not they're not tearing the world apart, but they're third round defensemen, so they're progressing like third round defensemen should, which yeah. is hey maybe. This- I got a lot of time to watch Regula this year, and he's big, strong, mean. He'd be serviceable at as a six guy. I mean, if that's how it pans out, then that's fine. Like to get that in the third round, yeah, absolutely. Well, he's in not? London, so you know he's probably making more than. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, he has money for that development. Yeah, and this year I think will be. Um, I think we kind of have to remove it from the evaluation process because, by all accounts, it looks like 
Draper had already already had a bigger role in the draft this year. You know, since Eisman came on, Draper's kind of been a feature of the administration, which was nice because, as you mentioned, Brad, we were we were concerned that Draper would be leaving with Holland, uh, and when it, it came that he was sticking around, you know, they're not just going to announce this guy's director of amateur scouting tomorrow and say, "All right, Draper, start now." He's probably been in the weeds in the thick of it with Tyler Wright. I wouldn't be surprised if they had some kind of like handshake transition process where you know anywhere where Tyler Wright would have been at the table Chris Draper was with him for the last couple months so I looked up the points of the players drafted in 2015 take a, take a guess how many points um, those players have produced in the NHL 2015 like total yeah all of, of them the Combined. Red Wings of the yeah the players we drafted that year 2015 that was oh god that I'm not telling you who they were. 83 no. points. Holy jeez. Hold on, hold on. No, I actually might get this answer exact because I'm trying to remember. Seven. It's four. Okay, I couldn't remember. <laughs> two how goals, two assists, 16 games played. And they're all Svechnikov. Yeah. all Svechnikov. Yeah. Not great. Hey, it's it's uh, another interesting fact. No one from the 2019 class has gotten a point yet in the NHL. Oh, no way. See, that's disappointing. That's the, that's the heartbreaking stuff about drafts. Sometimes yeah. you just whiff completely. Yeah, big mo, big mo siders. <laughs> for pick for up. those of you who don't know, that was a big old joke. Please do not DM me. Um, this draft is going to be an interesting one to evaluate, and we're going to have to, when evaluating it, consider that Tyler Wright, as it's now known, was on his way out. Um, the transition probably already happened somewhat to Chris Draper. So yeah, we we know that Tuomisto was a Tyler Wright pick, and that will help be held for or against him or, you know, neutrally. Uh, before anyone asks, Moritz Sider was loved by everyone in the organization. Chris Draper has been over the moon about him. You know, Chris Draper is also the guy who advocated to take Tyler Bertuzzi like two rounds ahead of where he should have been. And that's been a huge success. So it, before you knock him for that, uh, Chris Draper was huge on most Sider. The whole team was huge, huge, huge on Moritz Sider. So with that pick, you can't really tie that to anyone besides... Eisman, really. That's yeah, his call. Even, I, even Eisman had many, 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 many in-person viewings on that, so we won't know who was the leader of the charge um, on the cider pick, but it seemed like everybody was in agreement. Again, the two Omisto pick, I don't think any of us loved, but we see the upside there. Same with Master Simone and Johansson and Greva. So it's going to be a lot of to-be-determined potential there, yes. Necessarily all the picks we would have made at those times, no, but... We're not amateur scouts. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, we, we are, are We are the definition of amateur. We don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> so, th- that Tyler Wright has from 2014 to 2018. There's some really good years in there. I think uh, 2018 and 2014 especially will be considered huge positives for him. I, I think 2016 as well. Yeah, okay. 2016. 2017 was about as tacit of a failure as you can have uh, with the draft class, especially with 11 picks, but... That's going to happen. Teams are going to mess up. You you don't want to see it happen over the course of an entire draft class. But, you know... Draft's a crapshoot anyway. Yeah. You're basically just trying to minimize your misses. When you when we're talking about these guys, there's not a lot of publicly available information. and There's not a lot of information that we're even allowed to speak to publicly. Um, we don't know a lot about what Tyler Wright brought to the table. We know a lot about what Ken Holland did, but we don't know a ton about Tyler Wright and what he pushed for and what he advocated for. So it's we're not going to sit here and say, yeah, he was the reason you know, this pick didn't pan out or this pick didn't pan out or we didn't take this guy when we should have. Um, but He is one of the heads of the Hydra, though, right? Like uh, yes, the Holland Hydra. He is part of the, the collective group. 
and one of the leaders of it. Absolutely. And we can't just give him a cop up by saying the job is hard. It's, no. it's literally his job. This is what we have to judge him by. Now, when you look at the, the respective stats compared to other teams, uh, I, I was reading a couple pieces on that. He, he, he fell about league average. Detroit wasn't overly... Um, I forget the exact how they quantified it, but they were saying they, the Red Wings have drafted about league average since he was there. Uh, but the the value they got at the Larkin pick propped him up pretty severely. But I mean, every team probably has one or two guys like that because Tampa Bay is touted as a the best drafting team. But of course, when you get a value of Kucherov in the second round, a value of Point in the third round, that alone is probably going to put you in the top five. Those are both top five overall picks. Yeah, yeah. and and same with San Jose, you get a Kevin LeBanc in the sixth round. That's going to prop you up. Right? I mean, what are you talking about? Million dollar players though for yeah, right? Yeah. Peasants. Have we talked about that contract? No, yet? we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah, no. If you're someone who is happy about the transition from Holland to Eiserman in terms of you know draft philosophy or team philosophy or the outlook, admittedly I was. I you know I respect what the job Ken Holland did. I maintain that he should have a statue built for him in front of the arena for sure. But I was really thrilled to see the team move on from that philosophy and over to what Eiserman was going to bring. Then this Tyler Wright leaving to join Ken Holland and Chris Draper coming in should be exciting news for you. Draper's a big unknown though. We talk about mm-hmm. what he prefers as a, you know, uh, a man, like in terms of hockey management, he doesn't have a draft class to his name yet. And this all isn't officially announced. We imagine it will be by the time you listen, maybe. Um, but he ha- he's coming in with a clean slate, a blank slate. So there's a lot of unknown, but that's exciting for a team that's had the status quo for so long. You want a little bit of, hey, try it. Why not? Which isn't what Draper is. I mean, he's earned it by for sure. We've had a few questions of like, oh, who's going to take his spot? Um, is it going to be Pat Verbeek? Just to clear it up, Chris Draper and Pat Verbeek were both assistant general managers. I believe Draper got promoted not too long ago to like assistant GM. There's no set amount of assistant GMs on a team. A uh, GM can have one, they can have 10, they can have none. It's up to them. It'd be silly to have none. Um, Pat Verbeek, Ryan Martin, assistant GMs for Detroit now. Chris Draper will be director of amateur scouting. In terms of a hierarchy, it, it's fluid from organization to organization, so there's not really a set system yeah. and, and we don't know what chris draper will value on a staff no draper hire us please do you need uh <laughs> whatever i whatever skill set i might have do you need it i don't know what it is <laughs> watch draper waltz in and be like yeah boys uh, i've been listening to the show and um evan i uh, would love to bring you on the team perfect i don't even have to change my twitter picture <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, we believe it or not we did not have that joke teed up so whoever actually knows what Evan's Twitter picture is, you should be laughing pretty hard right now. Um, and everybody else is very confused. Do we have uh, anything else on the whole transition from Wright to Draper? No? No, no I think we've... No, we went on up. a big old tangent about drafting and... Uh, I mean... Here, I, we're, we're back. I don't think it's a tangent. It went on forever. But, you know, that's what we do. And because we're a professional podcast, I'm just going to point out now that before, while we were doing our pre-show prep... We forgot to figure out what players we were profiling today. Oh, I forgot that we were doing profiles. Super profesh. We I was are. just I'm like Red Wings prospect. Wait, yeah, no, crap. We need to do one. So I'll let you figure that out while we're talking about something else. All right. Well, then that's while I do that, then you transition us into uh, overall RFA UFA news. Mitch Marner. No, <laughs> we're gonna do Mitch. No, Michael Furland. Four years, three and a half million dollars per year to the Vancouver Canucks. Just. Does Vancouver not have to pay Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes in a couple of years? Oh, they are 
in a world of screwed, but they've backed themselves into this corner of screwed because, well, it's public knowledge that the ownership there has been pushing. No, we need to be a playoff team now. So I have a hard time blaming Jim Benning for the confusing moves. That being said, there's no doubt about it. The Vancouver Canucks today are a better team than they were at the at this time last year. They've made some moves. Tyler Myers is an upgrade on whoever he's replacing. Contract be damned. Michael Furland, I actually think his cap is very, very reasonable. I probably wouldn't have gone four years, but whatever. That's splitting hairs at this point. Um, but the JT Miller trade is what screwed them. Because one of their next two first-round picks is going to Tampa Bay. Yeah, that is a not great. So if they make the playoffs this year, that pick goes to Tampa Bay this year. If they miss the playoffs both years... Tampa's getting a really high pick. So Vancouver is on the clock to make the playoffs in one of the next two years. So, man, I I don't agree with anything Jim Benning has done, but I can't blame Jim Benning in this instance. Because, I mean, the one positive, here's, here's the one positive outlook spin I can get on this. You might as well maximize value on the team while you have Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes on ELCs because you're never going to get them cheaper. No. Now, this is why you don't give Michael Furland four years and you only give him two years because, hey, when those raises are due, a guy like Furland's coming off the books. But, eh, you know, that's that's future Jim Benning's problem. Maybe not even his problem. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs in the next two years, it won't be his problem. Yeah. This is going to sound hysterical because of how much I pin things on Ken Holland when he was here. But Jim Benning is getting a ton of pressure from ownership. An ownership that's demonstrated a <laughs> funny way of looking at success in the modern NHL. Basically, this team is not equipped to make a run right now, and they're saying, hey, make a run right now. And he's looking at all these spare parts and like a couple of key pieces and going, uh, okay. So he probably does not have the authority to break down and rebuild. Not to say that he could. I think Jim Benning has made a plethora of questionable moves as GM. But if they're saying, if they're telling him, hey, if you want to keep your job, just build the best team you can right now and just try to win year over year, of course he's going to sign these guys. Yeah, because I wouldn't even say they should have went into a rebuild because they had the core pieces in place at every position. They had their top line center, Young and Elias Pettersson. They had, they, or they have their top line winger, scoring winger and Brock Besser. And they should have their a top-pairing young defenseman in Quinn Hughes. So if you're looking at the foundations of a rebuild, they're there. And aren't they they're really high on their prospect goalie, Markstrom? Thatcher Demko. Thatcher Demko. Markstrom's their starting goalie. He did have a big year, though. Right. So that's going to be interesting. If they're going to sign him, they have to sign him soon because he's only going to get more expensive. Unless he melts down this year. It's the risk-reward, right? He might. Um, I Just to double back on something, quick... Uh, come away from that topic. I lied. Draper was never actually officially promoted. His duties reflected that of an assistant GM, but he, on paper, was still only assistant to the general manager. Okay. So, technically, this is a big promotion for him. Anyways, back to Vancouver. There we go. They still have to pay Brock Besser. Yeah, he still do a contract. They're running short on cap space. And let's not forget, three more years of $3 million recapture on Luongo's contract. Antoine Roussel for three million for three more years. Jay Beagle three million for three more years. What about Alec? What's the Alex Edler contract? Uh, six mil for two years. Which he'll be off the books by the time uh, Hughes yeah. and Pedersen come up for contracts. But man, that's a lot of spare parts and depth players making way too much money when you're going to have to pay Elias Pedersen twelve million dollars a year. 
This is Detroit. Uh, this is Detroit right now. They're Detroit four or five years ago. Yeah, no, well... Hey, man, except houses Detroit, are expensive in Vancouver. Those guys are getting 500 square footers. Honestly. It, except Detroit was coming off success. Yes. Vancouver, man. They just burned their city down. They have never rebounded from that. No, no they haven't. When you talk about what's good for the league, and, you know, the if you're American and you're listening to this, you're going to be, you're going to say, oh, well, you know, Canadians are you know, the center of the hockey universe. Genuinely, though... It is better for the league as a whole when Canadian teams are good or at least getting enough good attention because that means more money. That means a higher caps. That means, you know, higher revenue for the players, for the owners. That means more league growth. And then you just watch teams flail like this and it just seems to always happen. Like Vancouver, Ottawa, uh, I mean, not Montreal. I think they've done fine with what they've had. Toronto for so long. It's just like, what's in the water? Impatience. It, ownership saying win now. Yeah. Because what would have happened had Vancouver not went out and made all these panic moves was still relatively bad for two more years in what is shaping up to be a stacked 2020 draft, especially at the top end. Get another high-end piece, whether it's a defenseman like Jamie Drysdale or a forward at Marco Rossi if you're picking around 10 again. And then you put in another huge piece and then build up from there. Because, I mean... We, we can compare them to Detroit, but before they went out and made all these awful signings over the last two years, Vancouver is light years ahead of where Detroit is now because we don't have an Elias Pettersson. Philip Zadina might be Brock Besser, but that's not a guarantee. No. We don't have a Quinn Hughes. So they were in prime position to take over the league, and they're screwing it up because they're going to ruin their cap situation. Pod Colson, it's almost a blessing in disguise that he's staying in Russia for two more years because now you're delaying his ELC, so you'll have him cheap yeah. at the end of these two years. It's Yeah, they were at the point where they had to minimize their contractual mistakes. And Whereas we can still kind of fluff it up a bit, but they're at the exact moment where the pieces are starting to fall together, and you need to step very carefully so yeah. that you can build a potential contender. And they're doing the exact opposite of what any team in their position should be doing. Not that they shouldn't acquire players. When you're coming out of a rebuild, this is the right time to acquire players. I actually like the Michael Furland contract. I think that is fine. Again, I'd given him two or three years instead of four. That's splitting hairs when you're getting a good cap hit on a good player. Tyler Myers was a mistake. Jay Beagle was a mistake. Antoine Roussel was a mistake. Louis Erickson was a mistake. Brandon Sutter was a mistake. It's We're sitting here in Detroit looking at all our bad contracts. Vancouver has just as much, except Detroit has patience still. We can wait another two years before we have to start going all in on actually... Yep. Going upwards. The best, you know, I'm glad that there wasn't more success for Detroit in their down years that we've had over the past, like, seven to nine years. Because with a little bit more success, we might have had the Illich ownership group say, no, 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 we want to keep pushing. With the opportunity for Eisenman to come in, and obviously Eisenman now is a big driver of, no, no, this isn't like we're just rounding out the rebuild. This is is still going to take a while. By all accounts, the rebuild starts today, April 19th. You have to be patient. That was a huge blessing for this team because he bought patience from the fans. He bought patience from the ownership group. And he bought patience for the team in general because it's still going to be some time. The Aquilinis in Vancouver don't have that right now. They have no patience. They want to win right now. And it's just not viable. It's not viable with the team they have. So we go from the arguably most poorly managed team in the uh, NHL to maybe the best. Maybe. Someone. 
someone explained to me how a dude who puts up 56 points signs for one year, $1 million. I, I understand bridge deal here, but one year, $1 million, What? I keep hearing the phrase, you know, he oh, he's taking a bet on himself. You don't have to do that when you put up 56 points. Even if you want to bet on yourself and take a one-year bridge deal, like $4 million maybe? Yeah. It's like, you know, there's you, some people put out advanced metrics and things to suggest that he wasn't as valuable or he wasn't a big contributor to a single win the way other people are who with maybe a little bit less actual tangible production. And like, okay, that's fine. You know, I'm a big proponent of advanced analytics. Still put analytics. up 50-plus points. Put up nearly 60 points. You should not be taking a $1 million deal. I'm very obviously biased towards the players with contracts. I like when players get paid their worth. $1 million is not that. And especially in this market where the contracts are super inflated. like You don't even bat your eye twice at a guy who's getting $5 million now. The only way this is going to be worth it is if in January San Jose says, all right, we know our cap situation for next year. Here's your big raise. You're going to get X number of dollars over seven years or eight years. And here, that's your... That's a reward. Yeah, if this was a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, hey, we need the cap space this year, but we can extend you in January, and here's what's coming down the pipeline for you. All right, I mean, that's yeah. Well, there's no that might there's no guarantee that that's no. the same thing. There's and, nothing on paper there. And what happens if Kevin LeBanc comes out with ten points in the first forty games of the season? You think San Jose would honor that? You think uh, you think you, you go into your year end review and your boss is like, well, I can give you a one percent raise right now, but next year we're forecasting to have all this extra revenue. Well, I'll give you another. 10, 15 grand at the end of the year. I'd still be pissed. I'm like, no, I want that money now. Here's Worry how, about it later. Exactly. Not they, my problem. Here's how GMs negotiate. They're, they'll say like, all right, do us a favor now. And in a year, we're going to reward you. Or more commonly, because this is kind of a really strange situation. They'll look at an RFA, say, take a shorter deal uh, or a deal that buys us some UFA years and for less money. But once you're up for uh, to be a UFA, we will pay you. That'll be your big payday, mega payday. And you have... One injury, or it doesn't project the way it was looking, and you're SOL. All of a sudden, you're 29 years old. GM doesn't want to commit to you for eight years because that's a lot of non-prime years. They don't want to pay you the money that they promised. And, and you're stuck in Brad's basement. You're stuck in Brad's basement. Mind you, isn't Kevin LeBanc only like 23? He is only 23. That's what I said, too. If I'm Kevin LeBanc, my next contract is for the exact amount of years that'll take me directly to free agency for big money. That's the only way I would have accepted one year, one million. And I know people roll their eyes when we talk about like where team where teams play and how that affects player salary and all that. That guy's gonna be living in a tent under a freeway. California has the highest state taxes in California or in uh, in the states, if not close to it. And the Bay Area itself, where he's playing, is one of the most expensive places to live in the United States. So this guy might on a one year, $1 million contract might not pocket six figures by the end of the year. Like an actual, let's put this in the bank. No, he'll have six figures. He's not going to lose 90% of his salary. (laughs) Half of it's probably gone to taxes and then living. How much does that cost? And then you have your food and all that expense. He's not, he's going to make a lot of money. Like, don't get me wrong. I trade off in a heartbeat, but relative to what this guy should be clearing, if he was in Vegas and he just signed like a two year, $8 million bridge deal. My God, he he literally might have left like seven and a half million dollars on the table here. When I when of we talk actual about take home dollars, when we talk about this, I'm not concerned about how many ramen packets this guy's buying. He'll be fine. I'm not worried about how millionaires are living or how they're going to eat. But the point Brad's making is, 
he's not exactly uh, living in a place where taking a huge hit like that is going to be easy to stomach. Exactly. So is he a UFA after this contract? No. no. RFA. Uh, that, that is the one thing that I've heard presented is he had no rights. He had no arbitration right. He was a RFA, was not eligible for our offer sheet. So, or no, he, no, he was eligible for offer sheet. It's but, Besser who's not eligible. Yeah, that's sheets. it. It's Besser. But so either way. He basically had no leverage here, and Doug Wilson's a notorious, notoriously tough negotiator. So it wasn't a surprise to see Kevin LeBanc end up having to take a very team-friendly deal, but holy crap. If that's the contract that he's going to be signing, why doesn't anyone offer sheet him? That's what, that, the level that he signed for has no compensation this is the thing, and there's no way around this. I'm, I'm very much pro-player, get your money while you can, but at the same time, this contract doesn't happen if Kevin LeBanc's not taking some sort of, I want to do this for the team angle. Maybe they bought him a house or something, or is that cap circumvention? Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, you can't do that. Well, he, just, he just found a half a million dollars like on the sidewalk walking home one day. No, no, Brad's point here. The player has to want to sign the offer sheet. Kevin LeBanc, much like Braden Point in Tampa Bay, is saying... No, I want to be with this team. I'm going to help them. Now, Kevin LeBanc came out and said he actually didn't get any calls from any other GMs. That is absurd. To which point I say, 30 other GMs, what on God's green earth are you doing? Bergevin was in the gym that entire time. <laughs> Bergevin, uh, when he looked at players uh, he could offer sheet, set the sliding scale to start at $5 million value and up, and didn't realize that Kevin LeBanc would fall outside of that, presumably. <laughs> didn't yeah. even come up on his list. Mind you, there's no way I, he might. LeBanc is one of those instances where teams probably weren't willing to gamble six, seven, eight million dollars a year on him because he's he is a little bit of an unknown still. No, but I'm talking. But but at the same time, I think teams were probably thinking, well, if we sign him for anything less than six mil, San Jose will match instantly. So why bother? You could have signed him for three and a half or four mil, and San Jose would have matched. Why bother? You, uh, well, I'm not saying it's the right attitude to take, but I'm guessing that's what happened here. Yeah, I don't... Well, that's okay, then. If they were going to sign him for a one-year, one mil, may as well force uh, San Jose a little bit. You know teams are going to come out in, in negotiations with RFAs and saying, well, you only put up you know, 45 points in your rookie year. Kevin LeBanc put up 56. We'll give you 1.25 mil, and we think that's generous. You know some GM's going to make that oh, comparable. Yeah. And then there, we're going to get a, a, a news story of an agent who jumped across this table and throttled Mark Bergevin or something. Like It's it's going to be used so annoyingly. I understand it's just one year. I understand it's not the end of the world. I understand that in January we're probably going to get the second half of the story, which is the pretty f- player-friendly deal that's probably going Kevin LeBanc's way. He just gets the G the the owner's like platinum credit card all season. Yeah, yeah. He, One million dollar base salary, but we're just gonna give you this card. Do with it what you will. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to shake out. There's a new US TV deal coming, not next year, but the year thereafter. Two years from now, yeah. Um, the salary cap increases so long as you know more popular teams advance in the playoffs. Not like this past year should be a little bit more substantial than what we saw over this past off season. There's a lot of factors at play here. I think Kevin LeBanc's taking a pretty significant risk. Anything can happen in professional sports. If you're going to put up 56 points at the age of 23, I think you should be paid. Get your money. Yeah, but everybody else at that age is now getting Get paid, so you should do. Uh, other contracts: money. Jordan Bennington signed a two-year deal with St. Louis at 4.4 million a year, which I think is makes sense for both sides. Yeah, I don't. Oh, even... I thought goalies are making 10 a year now. Nah, only the big ones. Only the Russians. Only the Russians. With their Gucci sweatpants. Yeah, no, you don't get that money if you win a Stanley Cup. Ah, no. uh, okay. Um, yeah, no, I think that made sense. Jordan Bennington obviously had a wonderful rookie season 
at the same time, if you look at it statistically, is one of the uh, poor performing goalies in a Stanley Cup winner. And that's not a knock on him. He still won the cup. And he was unreal in that last game. Jordan, literally Chris Osgood Bennington. Yeah. So you don't want to commit to that long term, but you also want to reward the guy for what he did. So it makes sense for both sides. Um, other news, Jack Hughes got his ELC. Robbie Fabry got a one-year deal with St. Louis for under for 0.9 Kevin LeBanks. Uh, Ryan Dezingle signed with Carolina, two-year, 3.375 a year. Was there not a market for him? I or guess not. What? Like, this is not that I, I'm, again, I'm pro player, but man, is it refreshing to see that NHL GMs, by and large, have realized that free agency is not your friend. And and there's been so many reasonable contracts signed this year. It's, yeah, it's staggering. Well, I think it makes sense, right? Like we went through the the lockout in 04, 04 05. Um The league came back from that a brand new. It's, it was practically a new sport. And then the next lockout happened for the half season, and the league came back from that. And these shifts in the CBA didn't like there was no crash course for gms gms were figuring it out on the fly and you have gms that came from the previous two eras <laughs> that's where their success was so they don't know how to operate in here so it makes sense that there's this lag behind the current you know what the best practices are in the modern nhl gms are going to make a ton of mistakes red wings fans are privy to that they're looking at it right now with justin abdicator and franz nielsen and you know jonathan erickson's contract which uh, presumably i've heard rumored might actually end one day it's not it makes sense that they're just figuring it out now, but I'm happy to see that they actually are. Because for a little while there, I'm like, are we just going to keep making the same mistakes on July 1 every single year? I think 2016 broke everybody because that was the that was the day. What was it? Louis Erickson, Milan Lucic, Andrew Ladd, Kyle Okposo, Franz Nielsen were all signed on the same day. And those are all in the category of the top 10, if not 20, worst contracts in yeah. the NHL. Steven Stamkos ruined it for everyone. Yeah, my by, God. By signing before July 1, he ruined it for everyone. No, and those, the thing is, those contracts, the reaction to them was, eh, to, oh, God, that's awful. There's nothing better than that at the time. At the point they signed, at yeah. At the point where they signed. And now we're looking back going, holy sweet Lord, how are they going to get out of this? Every, when the Nielsen contract was signed, I, I very clearly remember reading the reactions and everybody going, yeah, that's not great. But compared to what everybody else got, it's not bad. No, yeah. And we're, oh my God, look at that now. Just remember, there were five contracts signed that day. That day, worse than Franz Nielsen's. I remember when we were talking about Franz Nielsen's, we were like, don't love the term. I think he's a good player. Uh, I don't think it's going to be awful for the team. I think he's going to help. Obviously, he's going to have some not so great years in there. And now looking back, we're like, God, it's so bad. <laughs> Please, why did we do this? But we were just coming off the Steven Stamkos. Like, we were really, like, driven on Steven Stamkos, as were like 10 other teams. Turns out Detroit didn't even get a, a call. But anyways, yeah, it's nice to know that GMs are finally figuring it out. Yeah, because Dezingle put up, he was a 20-something goal scorer last year and over 50 points, and he had to sign a two-year contract for less than $4 million a year. It's good. In 2016, Ryan Dezingle's getting 7 by 7 It makes sense. I like to see I like to see GMs figure it out because that means they can capitalize on actual market inefficiencies rather than just like grossly overpay or grossly underpay players. It means more fair salaries for players. It means less, you know, alienation of players because all of a sudden they're anchors to their teams. It means less uh, teams being stuck in the basement for, you know, decades upon decades, never doing anything effective, which is just bad for hockey. It genuinely feels like the NHL is just kind of coming into its own. 
in terms of sports management. You look in baseball, this kind of crap doesn't. Not as much anymore. There's the major, there's the mammoth, mammoth contract. Yeah. And then everybody else. Everybody else. Yeah. The The NBA is an absolute gong show at UFA free agency. You think the NHL is interesting? The NBA is like that on steroids. And the NBA cocaine. is such a bizarre, and I understand it works for the NBA. I just when people look at that and they draw comparisons to the, to the NHL, and the people are saying, There's "Well, no how come that player can do that, but this NHL hockey player can only do this or have this?" I'm like, "You don't want that. Trust me. Look at Oklahoma City Thunder fans right now. Look at you know, it does not make sense the way that operates. It works for the NBA, I, but I think that's like a." A one-off. Like, I don't think that could work well for any other league. Even in the NFL right now with all the holdouts, that's pushing the line of what makes sense for fans and teams and what's fair in my mind. Well, now that we brought up the NBA, I'm I'm going to go on a small little rant here because this is starting to drive me nuts. There's been a push from a segment of the fans to get rid of the hard cap and go to the soft cap with the luxury tax, yada, 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 because they see what's going on in Golden State and Houston and Los Angeles, and they're like, oh, man, this is so fun. These teams are going to be amazing to watch, yada, yada, yada. And then you forget that, yeah, you're not a fan of basketball, and you think this is so cool, and it's going to be a ton of fun watching those four or five teams. There's 25 other teams in the league now that are irrelevant. Do you really want... It kills the- their attendance at games to the bad teams. Yeah. Nobody shows up because they know their team's not going to make it out of the first round. And I'm I'm saying this as a fan of a team that probably would be one of the super teams because the Illiches have proven they'll spend. So if, they, if we get rid of a hard cap, Detroit's a team that will benefit. So I, I'm not coming from a point of view of like a Florida fan where I know my team would be irrelevant if it went to this. Would you watch an NHL where, I'm just going to pick random teams, not that they're good now, where the New York Rangers, the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, the Los Angeles Kings, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Montreal Canadiens are the only five good teams. You go into every year knowing one of those teams is going to win the cup. I don't think you could sustain a 30-plus team league like the NHL. You can do it for the NBA because basketball is huge in the States. It's a more popular sport. I don't think hockey would be financially successful if that was the case no could you imagine how much canada would canada would tune out if none of the canadian teams or any of the super teams not that that would likely happen because most of them can spend all the money in the world but hey toronto sucked throughout all the years without a salary cap so it's possible um i mean god that would just kill the league it would kill the fun it it's a horrible awful idea and if bettman has to go another full season lockout to keep a hard cap i'd I'd be for it. The thing is, the players. I don't. I, I think there's a there's a big voice in the online community who are saying, "Oh, NBA fans get this exciting offseason, and we're excited because Kevin LeBanc signed a kind of off deal." And like, I understand there's a difference, but I think that difference is always inherently going to be present for reasons that you guys suggested, which is that the NBA is a vastly more popular sport by and large, and B. It's a more individually driven sport. Uh, LeBron James, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, whoever else can have. I like exponentially bigger impact to one team. They play ninety percent of the game. They their impact on a team's win potential is exponentially bigger than one NHL player could have to their team. It's just a different sport. The fact that the NHL has to fight to stay at the top, you know, uh, professional sports league's popularity, and the difference in in that kind of, you know, how how a single player can drive a team's success, it'll never make sense for for the NHL have to have the same system. 
I understand the want for maybe a soft cap or for some variations of it. I'm still very firmly in favor of a hard cap. I think what we have now is as close to perfect as we've ever been. And it, it'll, it'll take some tweaking, but we're in the right spot. But there's just no world in which the NHL can do what the NBA is doing and still see success. Uh, moving on, I don't know if there's been any other big news, really. Should we just kind of move over to overtime? Do you think? Mitch Marner sign? No. Ah, just kidding. Um, He's never going to sign. There's no None of the RFAs are going to sign. We're getting 12 holdouts I'm still shocked that Jake Gardner hasn't signed anywhere. Yeah, that's... Man, like, again, I'm very much, as I just said, don't make your mistakes in free agency, but he's a good defenseman. He must he? be asking for too much term and too much money. Oh, he, I think it's his money ask that's probably scaring people away. I think, you know what, I feel bad for Jake Gardner because he has uh, a few hallmark moments which are all terrible, terrible giveaways or defensive lapses that cost actual hockey games. So he's got a spot on the Red Wings like, <laughs> defensive core then. But the thing is, you look at his numbers, the guy has been a net positive in every way for Toronto on the ice since he's been with them. The problem with Toronto is they find one defenseman all the time and they just hound him. Oh, they crucify him. Yeah. And that that's Jake Gardner. More, the only reason they haven't turned on Morgan Riley is one, he's that team's de facto captain. It's a Larkin situation where they're just waiting to announce it. And B, he's on one of the most team-friendly contracts in the league right now. And also, he's really, really good at hockey. He's so good at playing hockey. Yeah, that Mor- helps. Yeah, Morgan Riley fits the Victor Hedman uh, mold where a player was young, maybe didn't blow the you know roof off the building in his second every year in the NHL. And some people are like, maybe trade? And everyone on the outside was like, yeah, please do. And then they ended up keeping him, and oh, look, he ended up being a superstar. <laughs> who could have known? Who could have known? Except anyone who'd had an ounce of patience. Um, yeah, Gardner, the, all, all the other RFAs, like Braden Point wants to stay in Tampa Bay. Miko Ranton is going to stay in Colorado. The only reason Sebastian Ajo was signed is because Mark Bergevin got bored one day. Yeah. Okay, final question before we get into overtime. What would the contract have to look like for you to be happy if Jake Gardner signs with the Red Wings? How old is he? He's like 20. 30. Because right now he's obviously not getting a lot of the demands that he wants, so there might be some flexibility. I'm just, just curious to see how... 29. Five years. <sighs> I feel like you got to either go more money or more term. You can't do both. Yeah. I, I think right now with where Detroit's at, I'd happily overpay him on a shorter term three, four-year contract. If you want, if we want to pay him $6 million a year for three years, I'd do it. I think it would take eight to, to get him for three years. Are you I, s- I think it would, it but would, yeah. I, I'm walking away from that then. Yeah, and that's, that's we, we don't need to be giving out three-year contracts right now, especially at that price tag. You know what? For defensemen, there's a lot coming off. <clears throat> like, there's a lot coming off the books. It, say Detroit had the roster spot right now. There, I think about thirteen million is coming off just in defenseman next year. Something yeah. like that. I'm not. I don't have it on front. Well, of me, so Max did a, wrong. a good breakdown. It's what is it after two seasons from now? Danny DeKaiser is the only veteran defenseman left on this roster. After next season, it's Danny DeKaiser and Patrick Nemeth. Yeah, so that it makes sense to if if you're going to hand out a three year contract to a 29 year old, that's fine. The amount of cap I'd be willing to devote to that, I'd be happy to overpay if it was like three by seven. You could stomach that. Yeah. Detroit doesn't have any massive contracts coming up. Would you do three by eight? Uh, no. If Detroit was in their window, I would happily do it. 
But Detroit, I don't think, will be in their window at that point. Regard, all he would be doing, really, is making the team better in a time where they're still not going to succeed wholly. And, and yeah. I understand it's never going to be perfect. Like, going back to what Max says, like, it's not going to be, it's never going to be the right time. And you see people double clutching, like GM's double clutching, and all of a sudden they're stuck being a terrible team forever. Sometimes you just have to shoot your shot. But if this guy's 29, he's got three prime-ish years left. And then after that, it's a stout decline, almost definitely. You don't want to be paying much longer than that. This next three-year window is not going to be a window of tacit success for Detroit. Jake Gardner is not going to make NHL any NHL team worse. But Unless they're the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, there there is a way I would see an overpayment, and if that's it was two or three years, if we're talking four or five or even beyond, then it's probably not worth the price for Detroit. All right, overtime brought to us by our Patreon supporters as our way of saying thank you for supporting the Winged Wheel podcast. Half a million. I can't get over that. We have half a million comments today? Holy yes, shit. Yes, just about. Uh, when we had the Eisman signing, I think we had about half a million comments. Uh, Alex, uh, <laughs> Alex Zuko says, uh, Good afternoon, jabronis, and I mean that lovingly. So with Wright shown the door, I have high hopes that we develop more of a take skill over all else drafting philosophy and team identity going forward. So that said, looking back at this last draft, how much say would you guess Wright had over Stevie on the picks that were made? Thanks for all you do. Um, cider. I think... I think Steve Eisman, you know, had a normal amount of input, maybe a little bit less as any other GM, but that was all on him. Like, that was Steve Eisman saying, look, I've only been here two months. You guys have been working your butts off for the past two years for this draft class. It's your show. Let's just see where it takes us. Yeah, no. Cider was Eisman's, I think. Uh, well, Eisman's, like, final decision. I think he probably let them run with it past the second round. He probably had it. I think we talked about it in the draft episode. He probably had his qualifiers. I want high hockey IQ guys, and I want guys who compete. You guys make the decisions around that. If they don't meet those qualifications, don't draft them. Uh, Joseph Delia says, what's good, boys? Um, a week or two ago, Ryan defended the price. or he, I came out and said that I defended the price signing when it happened. I still remember that conversation that we had. Um, any other contracts you guys defended at first and either still defend or regret now? Thanks, my dudes. Insert Rowan's ending phrase here. Say fresh cheese bags. Um, I defended the DeKaiser contract. I regret that deeply. Yeah, um, we both. Uh, although he's coming, he's circling back. So maybe <laughs> the last few years might not be as rough as we thought. What's funny is we both kind of had like a well, yeah. I mean, if that's the price it takes, kind of reaction to it because we really thought DeKaiser would trend upwards. And Prashanth like messaged us and said, "Hey, so you know, <laughs> this isn't great." And we were like, "Really?" And, uh, and he's like, "Here's the numbers." We're like, "Oh no!" Yeah. And uh, it didn't take long for Prashanth to be proven right on that one. Yeah. Well, like I said, DeKaiser might be salvaging the last few years of this with a bit of a rebound. I'm trying to remember any other contracts that... Uh, Milan Lucic, just kidding. We said it was awful from the start. Yeah. Most anyone. of the most July 1 contracts, we go, this is bad and it's going to forever be bad. And then he they are bad. can't even tie his skates. <laughs> Do you have any contracts that you defended? Uh, I was really trying to dig through... Uh, I can't think of any. Well, because Evan's always right. We get it. Yep. Uh, the camera. I was trying to think of how I felt about the Mike Green one, but I think I was pretty, pretty happy about that one. I think. I think. I can't remember. I mean, everybody's still lukewarm on Mike Green. He's fine when he's healthy. You can't That's really. We saw him score yeah. a hat trick. That was worth it by itself. Legitimately, yep. the only thing you could hate about the Mike Green contract is the fact that they weren't able to trade him because he broke his spine. 
Yeah. Uh, Jonathan McLeish says, thank you for all your hard work on the draft and other offseason topics. Makes the time go by a little quicker. Can I have a shout out for my new son and future Red Wings draftee, Jude James McLeish, born Sunday the 7th of July, three weeks earlier than planned. You can see his delayed reaction to the cider pick on my Twitter at Johnny. Let's go Red Wings. Cheers, boys. Jonathan, congratulations. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast family, Jude. That's so exciting. I love when we get new fans. This Don't is do an RESP. This is commit them to our Patreon. This is the only way we grow as a podcast. Is our listeners need to make fans. <laughs> Please, we need to reach a million. You guys need to start reproducing way faster. No, thank you. Uh, hey, I'm doing my part. You two catch up. No, <laughs> I, got, I got a thing later today. I'm a little busy. Sorry, busy for the next 15 years. Yeah, we have the same thing. Yeah. And it's... <laughs> here uh mark burnham said sup guys although we're not going to be good this season i like the direction team the team is going overall and i like that the red wings gm steve eiserman is taking it slow should have plenty of cap space next summer when mantha bertuzzi and athens are rfas assuming that they see the average progression this year 30 to 40 goals for mantha and athens mid to high 20s for bertuzzi what do you think their next cap hit looks like do they go much beyond what larkin makes Okay, I'm going to clarify one thing here on that statement because it's one, not that I'm singling you out. It's a, a thing I've seen a lot. Athanasiu and Bertuzzi are 24 years old and Mantha's 23, I believe. I would still expect a little bit of progression for Mantha, but I think at this point Bertuzzi and Athanasiu are what they are. If Bertuzzi can score 25 every year and Athanasiu can score 30 every year, which is basically what they did last year, I think that's what we should expect. Anything above that's a pleasant surprise. Um even with what their cap hits are going to go up next year, Detroit's still going to have an absolute ton of cap space. It's going to be fantastic. They're going to have, yeah, all of the cap space. It's important not to get ahead of yourself on, on what these guys will be, but um, I don't really see them making more than Larkin. I can see them setting kind of a, an internal ceiling saying, ah. this this season's going to say a lot. Like, Because what do you pay if Athens U puts up exactly 30 again this year and Bertuzzi puts up 25? What's that worth you? We've known Athens has had this potential for a while. So the fact that he does it in back-to-back years probably makes you a little comfortable giving him a more uh, a five, six, or seven-year deal. Tyler Bertuzzi, this season and for half of last season, I think we can consider a surprise. Is that a guy that if he has two and a half good years under his belt, you throw a mega long-term contract to? I don't think so. And again, Bertuzzi's a complimentary player. He's not a line driver, so... If you remove him from Larkin's line, he's not having that kind of. Production. No, he might. He probably doesn't score twenty goals this year. So, Bertuzzi's a guy that honestly, if he makes more than four million, good for him. Even on a long term deal, like that's. Uh, I would. He's the type of contract I love the player, but he's the type of player where mistakes are made. Mm-hmm. Not to say it would be a mistake to sign him, but it isn't we, complete. I mean, we should sign him. It wouldn't be, uh, this isn't a completely different scenario than to how we were talking about Helm or Abdelkader before their contracts. Yeah. Well, I mean, Helm's last contract even was a head scratcher when it was and, signed. And Bertuzzi's so. shown more offensive upside than either of those two ever did. Yeah. Um, and he's younger than they were when their contracts were due. So there's that. But yeah, I, I, man, Bertuzzi will be what, 25 when that contract, 26, something like that. I'm not giving him more than four years. I don't care what the cap it is. No, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't. I'm not for committing seven to eight years for players unless they're the Larkins anymore. Like, if Mantha comes out and puts up close to forty this year, seven years. Yeah, years, we know sure. we know the talent is there with him. It was just a matter of reaching it. If he reaches it, yeah, pay pay the man. Uh, same with Athanasiu. Athanasiu, I think, is a guy that if he puts up north of thirty again this year, you know enough of him to 
commit some term and some money to, but I don't think Bertuzzi's that type of player that you can do the same thing. Do you think Mantha would take a seven by five? Five million per year? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, give me some stats for this year because that's all perspective. Let's say he gets another 35 goal season. Another? You mean a 35 goal season? I don't think he'd take that. No. Did he not put up 35 last year? 25. 25, that's what it was, yeah. If he puts up yeah, 25 yeah, yeah, again yeah, this yeah, year, nice. then yeah, I could see 7 by 5 First of all, we'd be eating up the majority of his prime, and he'd be making 5 mil. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. If, if, he, if he even sniffs 40 goals, he's not taking that he's going he's starting at seven and working up. yeah if he finishes below 30 again then i think he would consider that yeah i'm losing a bit of my cap hit but they're giving me some good financial security for the entirety of my career i could see him entertaining that idea but i i pretty confident health Holding up, I think he's going to crack 30 goals this year, and I think his ass goes up. I think the the speculation of what their numbers are going to come in on is so wild right now because each of these players have had such weird progressions where they've all had, like, so much raw talent, so much raw talent, so much raw talent. Where's the production? Where's the production? Is it never going to be there? Oh, last season, yeah. You guys have looked amazing for the last two years. It makes sense now. The only thing that's going to throw a big wrench into this is due to their age, uh, Athanasio and Manth especially, if you're ever giving him a long-term contract, you have to do it now. It has to be now. It has to. Don't give them another two or three years because then you're going to be signing a 28-year-old, a 29-year-old Andreas Athanasiu whose speed's starting to decline. No, you need to get in now. Risk be damned. That's why you have to... Got to eat up the prime on our side. That's why you want... That, obviously, you always want players to be better sooner, but that's why there's always such this big, like this big drive when you see this much raw talent. You're like, come out now because we only have so many good years left. Uh, I'm going to move us along here. Uh, Marissa says, sup, y'all. Marissa, hashtag give Larks the C. Uh, says, sup, y'all. Today we're playing Would You Rather. All right. I like this. Okay. Uh, live in the city or the suburbs? Suburbs. S- suburbs. 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 Suburbs that aren't like 30 minutes away from the city. I, I hate... So you're never living in Calgary? No. No, I'm not. <laughs> Second worst urban sprawl in North America? Yeah, I don't... I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, like, I... I think I live. I think we all live in the suburbs now compared to the city. Yeah, no, and uh, like if we were to go live in like downtown Detroit or Toronto, I hate people. I do not want that many people around me at any given moment. So no. Yeah, uh, go to see a movie or see a play. Movie. movie, movie. I will say I've never been a big fan of musicals. I went to go see Hamilton on Broadway, and it like changed. Book of Mormon's really good. Too. I heard Book of Mormon's so amazing. Funny. Um, go to a water park or amusement park. Amusement. Amusement park. Amusement. I'm not a big fan of either. I don't want to be forced to pay $11 for a soft drink at a subway stand anywhere, but I guess amusement if I had to. Uh, Be too hot or too cold? Too cold. Too cold for sure. I cannot stand overheating. Nothing's worse than a 35-plus day out on the golf course. No. Too hot for me. I, I handle heat pretty well. Oh, man. I can't. I used to be cold all the dry time. Dry heat or humid, though? Doesn't I would rather take dry heat. I'll, I would, take, I'll I, take 45 dry. Yeah. Who wouldn't take wet. dry heat versus humidity? But I'd still take 35 with humidity versus negative 20, and I can't feel my face. We were in, uh, a buddy of mine and I were, we backpacked Southeast Asia, and we were in Cambodia. Oh, was, God, don't wear white. Yeah. Um, it was 113 degrees Fahrenheit, I believe. What's that in normal units? 45 Yikes. degrees Celsius uh, in Cambodia. And we were up on these like temple ruins and like doing this tour just like out in the sun. We each had a liter of water and we thought we were fine. 
Uh, we got back to our hostel and we woke up 11 hours later with pounding migraines. Oh, God. So that was heat stroke. Um, have to wait or go to a party or stay home and chill. Stay home and chill. Younger Evan would hate older Evan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Younger Ryan would hate older uh, Evan and Ryan for sure. Like you're like 25, dude. Yes. That's, a lot, that's how many days my hangover lasts. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I would yeah. much much prefer to. Uh, like, there's parties I'm excited to go to, but in general, I'm always happy for a quiet night in. Yeah. Uh, have to wear a maple leaf shirt or a Minions shirt. I'm wearing the Minion shirt. So <laughs> I might not get a choice one day. <laughs> Uh, only drink water for the rest of your life or never have dessert again? Oh, I'm all for water. Wait, water? Yeah. Wait, what? What? What was the question? Only drink water for the rest of your life or never have dessert again. I love water. I love water too. But I don't know if I love... How's that a negative? If you never have dessert again, that means you can have other drinks. Yeah. Uh, so you can... I don't care for desserts. Yeah, so. I'll do without dessert. Oh, God, I love desserts. But no, I need, for health purposes, I'm going to go with the water, even though desserts are literally my... my problem from a dietary standpoint uh give larkin the sea now or wait until opening night opening night oh god i want my plan can still happen i want stevie walking out to drop the opening face off puck in one hand c in the other with super glue and just slap it on larkin's jersey right there at center ice uh yeah i'm a, i'm more of a fan of the drama and i think they're waiting closer to the season to drive up some hype it makes sense uh she has a note i'm not now or will ever be entertaining and options for anyone else getting the C. Thank you. Case closed. Uh, Phil Philip Gastineau says, "Hey boys, hope your summer is going well. First time, uh, first, give me some hot takes for next season." Just an applicator will be the captain of the Red Wings. Uh, how hot of a take was it? Would it be for me to say the highest scoring rookie on the Red Wings will be Taro Hirose? I think that's a hot take. That is a hot take. Um, hot take, not necessarily one I believe will happen. Philip Zidane will go north to 30 goals. Oh, boy. Yeah, that is a hot take. That's hot. Cool. But if you want a hot take, if you want... Are we in Cambodia? <laughs> <laughs> nice callback, Evan. Moritz Sider makes the opening night roster. No. Oh, Jesus. That is hotter than, I think, Zidane getting north of 30. Yeah. Qualifier, we don't believe any of this, but you asked for it. I think I might actually put money on that Hiroshi one. Yeah? I could see it. Uh, second, I have a Patreon-only episode or even just some off-season content idea. You have to individually draft a cap-compliant team using any NHL player on a signed contract, and we can vote on who drafted the best team. You could also make it so no one can draft players on an ELC because that isn't fair. I love that. We should definitely oh, do that. Boy. Maybe that'll be our next Patreon-only. Okay, that could be fun. That's going to take some prep. <laughs> uh, Max Boltman. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> says, each of you, without researching, state the other's middle name. What? Oh, I have Sorry? no fucking idea. What? Without researching, we have to state each other's middle names. Uh, Brad's Matthew. Yours is gonna be. Is yours Christian? It's Middle Eastern Christian. Oh, yeah. Shit. Uh, and yours is Joseph. Yeah. Did I just get both of yours? No, you got mine completely wrong. Oh. You, you got <laughs> mine right though. Yours actually is Joseph. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Uh oh, this isn't good. Now people know my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> EJ. So what's your sin number? Uh, <laughs> nine 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 nine. Sixty nine four twenty. <laughs> Evan. I don't know. I, have to I, edit uh, that out. Um, I feel like I've heard yours before, but it was only once mine. in passing, so I did not even uh, remember it a little bit. Uh, it's not an uncommon Middle Eastern name, 
Mohammed. No, that's. Ex- <laughs> I mean, get. You're that's the most not- common it's Middle all- Eastern name, Ryan. Yes, but <laughs> Evan said Christian. Harambe. Yes. Yeah. How did you know? <laughs> that's all I got. I what's a Christian name? You're gonna say it, and I'm like, yeah, John. The one I didn't. John's think of. Christian. Yes. It's John. It is actually John. No, it's not John. Th- it's Bassam. Oh, what? yeah, definitely Bassam. would have got that. Yeah, nailed it. What's yours? Does no John? Word? Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, that would have been weird. Oh, man. We're not uh, for Christian reasons. Straight out of the Bible. Um, Rowan says, obviously, Ryan's middle name is Hannah. His full name is Ryan Hanna-Barbera. Uh, <laughs> Evan Beckner says, hey, guys, adding one more to Marissa's would you rather. Would you rather forecheck in the corner against Dustin Bufflin or guard the point on the PK against Shea Weber? I'd rather guard the point because that shot's probably not hitting me directly. I'd rather be on the point. No, because then you have to die. I would I'd forecheck Dustin Bufflin and just take the hit. Yeah, getting hit by Dustin Bufflin would suck, but that probably doesn't break anything. It just makes everything sore for a few days. A Shea Weber slap shot to the kneecap, and I'm in crutches for three months. The rest of my life, yeah. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll go forecheck on Bufflin. Uh, Don Mitchell says, hey, guys, uh, I'll be going to the Red Wings fantasy camp again this year for my third time. I've gone to a handful of these types uh, camps, and they're always a blast. Hope to snag some wing wheel podcast gear to sport and do some advertising for you all. Yes. Uh, get in touch. Um, I'm a huge autograph mem- memorabilia guy. Even have a signed Lidstrom 09 Winter Classic jersey. Oh, my heart. <laughs> uh, and hope to run into Eiserman. If you can get one of the following signed, what, which would you choose? Joe Lewis Arena chair or a two-foot-tall Stanley Cup replica? Love the content. Keep it up, boys. Cheers. Uh, chair. The chair, yeah. I'll take the St- Stanley Cup. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Uh, Rowan says, Good day, mates. It's me, the number one Australian London Knights fan. They are clearly more gooder than the Kitchener Rangers, Brad. What even is a Kitchen Ranger? That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> what even is a Kitchen Ranger, anyways? Canadian is weird. Uh, pretty heckin' stoked that old mate Tyler Wright hit the frog, toad, and nicked off to Edmonton. I know I call you lot dud duds, but he is king dud. What a pillock. This is, uh, Man, pretty- this is a whole different variation of English, huh? Yeah. Let's fast forward to training camp. Hypothetically, if Svechnikov, Zadina, Valeno, and Chalowski take massive, massive steps and play so well in exhibition that they literally have to make the team, will Blash make a hard call? Will e- Steve- Will Eisenman make it for him, or will some of them end up in Grand Rapids because veteran? Uh, uh, Grand Rapids because veteran. Discuss, but do it good, and please show your workings. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of Eisenman. Hold on, I got to show my workings. Uh, Grand Rapids because Blashill. <laughs> I think it'll be a mixture of Eisenman and Blashill. I think Eisenman will make any of the toughest decisions, and I think they won't hesitate to give Zadina or Valeno or anyone more time in Grand Rapids than anticipated. Now we're, Valeno has had none, so... Now, we're making this way more black and white than it needs to be. What would actually happen here between any functional coach-to-GM relationship is they would sit down in an office for a couple hours and hash out the pros and cons of every scenario and then come to a mutual decision on who's going where. But that's less fun to talk about. Blash Hill's going to screw everything, and that's the more fun answer. Um, let me see. I lost my spot here. Jersey time. Pick your most hated team. Okay, what was their best jersey incarnation? The Toronto St. Pat's, and it's not close. Toronto's Winter Classic jersey in 09. Or, sorry, in, uh, not 09, but the the one they played at Detroit at the big house. Evan's watching. Oh, yes. what, what's the tennis score? Uh, Djokovic is up two... Two sets? Game, set, match. Yeah, two sets to one. Oh, and what's the current set at? 2-1 Djokovic. Yeah, I'm a big Nadal fan. That was painful. He did not have a good... I like Federer. You know... The GOAT. Just a classy dude. Um, yeah, mine. That that's mine for Toronto. Another comment proudly brought to you by my online and possibly podcast sponsor, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, a Fournier company. 
Joseph Fournier says, hey there, dudes. Uh, I'm glad to be moving on from Tyler Wright. That Chuomisto pick didn't look so hot after watching development camp. Uh, oof. After more misses and hits and a pretty and despite a pretty solid 2018 draft, I'm excited for the $1 man Chris Draper to be taking the reins. If you haven't already discussed this, what draft picks has Draper had heavy influences on? The only one that we can confirm is Bertuzzi. Yeah. Uh, when you need to wrap your overripened head of amateur scouting and ship him off to the ninth circle of NHL hell, he's only the best. Stay fresh, cheese bags. In partnership with Rowan Incorporated. Stay fresh, my dudes. Like I said, I wouldn't say Tyler Wright's had a a horrible draft record because even Iserman had an interview uh, recently in the I think it was Fox Sports Detroit did a post draft thing. He's like, if you get two NA full time NHL players out of a draft, it's a good draft. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at 2014 Larkin and N. Uh, 2015 looks like that might be a miss. Right now, Svechnikov's a maybe, and God knows whoever else. 2016 looks like, again, a home run. Chalosky, Hronik, Larson, you might get two top four defensemen and a goalie out of it, which would be a big, big win. 2017's looking like a miss. 2018's looking like a home run. So, again, it's about what you would expect from any average scouting staff. You more just want your amateur scouting team to align with the way your GM thinks. Here's the one thing where where I do kind of criticize their picks. In order to, and, and this is the big crux of the Red Wings rebuild right now because the depth is there and the potential is there. But you look at every other team that's decent in the NHL, they've hit a grand slam on a pick. They got a superstar like Pasternak late in the first. They got a superstar like Kucherov in the second, and you can go down the list with every top team. They generally have some pick like that. I don't consider Larkin a superstar, but he's you can make the case. Since his pick, the Red Wings have not made that superstar pick. They don't have that elite-level talent still at any position in the organization. Zadina looks like he could be a good top-line winger, but I don't think he's, at this point, I'm comfortable saying he's going to hit the level of a Pasternak. Um... I don't think anybody in this draft is going to turn into a superstar. Like that—that's the problem. They never got that—that that guy. Their literal very first pick as a crew was the best pick they made. Uh, we're going to head over to Reddit where we have time for some questions and some Twitter questions actually. Uh, Southern Wing ninety seven says Jersey question: Olympic athletes from Russia. Discuss. Um, hilarious, and you should definitely get one if you have the chance. What? The Olympic athletes from oh, Russia. Oh, from there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would love one just for the story. The OARs. Yeah. Uh, the Magic Man 1343 says, Do you think the Red Wings are willing to trade for Gusev? If so, then what would it take in your eyes? I could see the Clarkson contract playing a big role in what we would throw at them. Yeah, Any team with a, a brain would want Gusev. Here's the thing. If Vegas can get rid of the Clarkson contract, then they're not getting rid of Gusev. So here's... <laughs> Here's the crux of Gusev for me, the more I've put into it. Now, as a player and where he is in his career, would I want Gusev on the Red Wings? Absolutely. But he stated he wants a two-year deal. I don't know if I'd want Gusev on a two-year deal because the Red Wings are going to be bad for those two years. I'd want Gusev for longer than that. But Gusev is still such an unknown I don't know if I'd want to give Gusev anything longer than two years on a contract because then it's a huge risk that could just blow up in your face. So what do you do if you're the Red Wings and you trade for Gusev and then have to give him a contract? Do you take the risk and give him four or five years or do you bite the bullet, give him two years, understand that you might just be throwing those two years away and you're just using that as a pitch to keep him for longer? That's fine. I'm happy with that. 
to me, in my mind, if if you give up, now like if you're a, giving a second round pick to do that, still worth the risk. Yeah, I mean, we just spent uh, two I, two of the three second round picks the Red Wings just made. Yeah, and so. the fact that Red, the Red Wings have multiple second round picks in the next draft would make me comfortable doing it. But at the same time, it's like it's a risk. You might have them for two years and lose them for nothing. Yeah. Uh, Twitter question from uh, Moose. He says, "New listener, great job, fellas. How much input do you think the departed scouts had on this draft, if any?" Oh, phenomenal amount. Uh, almost all of it. It was literally their jobs for the whole year. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, uh, first of all, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate your support. Um, yeah, it, people people get this conception, and I'm not saying that you did, but people in general get this conception that um, GMs come in and they just decide every pick. Amateur scouting is incredibly nuanced and difficult and broad, and you cannot do it alone. You again, need a proper scouting team. Again, the, I'll repeat what I've said on numerous episodes lately. I think Eisenman probably had a lot of influence on the first-round pick, and I think GMs will have a lot of influence on the first-round pick. Beyond the first round, I don't think the GM has almost any say. He'll tell the scouting staff, this is what I'm looking for in a player. Find the best players who meet this criteria. right? Like for Eisenman, it's hockey IQ and compete. So if the player doesn't meet those criteria, criteria, take them off your list or something like that, unless the other skills are just so exceptional that you can't pass up on them. Um, that being said, none of the Red Wings European scouts left, from what I gathered, and this is a very European-heavy draft for Detroit, so yeah, the guys who are departing might not have had a tremendous amount of impact, because uh, three of the first four picks were European. So, And you have to understand... Four of the first five, actually. The guys that departed also don't make up a big... Like, they make up a, a good portion of the scouting team, but not all of them. There's a lot of scouts that are staying. Yeah. The U.S. scouts are the ones that bang the table for uh, Cooper Moore. Yeah. So... Yeah, the, the, and that was a fifth-round pick, so who cares? Yarvik uh, 7 says, The quiet of the offseason sucks, and it's hot as Ferk now in SoCal. Is anyone going to miss Tyler Wright? Uh, assuming the Red Wings have the best sweater, which two teams have the second and third best? Right Ooh. now? Mm, I love Colorado's third. Oh, look, uh, Doppelganger responded and said, Chicago and Colorado's third with the mountain. Colorado's third with the mountain I love. I'm going to take thirds out of it because we only see them so many times a year. I'm going to say... Best jerseys outside of Detroit. Vegas is getting one of my two for sure. Mm, I think you're right. And then, man, I love so many of the original six jerseys. I can make a I can make a good case for the Hawks, the Rangers, the Canadians. Um, I have Vegas there, and I think maybe Pittsburgh's. I love Pittsburgh's current uniform set. <sighs> Yeah, if, if we are allowed third jerseys, Colorado's is getting in there. I um, even like Colorado's regulars; they're still good. They're good. Yeah, I would say probably Vegas and Pittsburgh right now. Honorable mention: all the original six. If we're allowed third jerseys, and Colorado's bumps out. Pittsburgh's. I'm gonna give honorable mention to St. Louis. Really? Yeah, I like St. Louis. Oh, I love their oh their third jerseys. Gorgeous, that light blue one. Yeah, that one's great. Um... KD1489 says, what do you think of the NHL.com's projected roster? How accurate would you say it is? It's close. I I legitimately think there's going to be one more young guy on there. I, I, I have a hard time not... See, okay, not... I have a hard time not seeing it, but right now I would bet on Zadina making it, mm-hmm. and that's the only adjustment I make to that roster. I legitimately... And I think Chalosky's got a better chance than that article gave them credit gave him credit for. I missed a comment. Justin Kalinsky says number of Stanley Cup. This is a Patreon comment. Number of Stanley Cup rings: Larkin zero, Helm one. 
Helm became the first player in NHL history to score five playoff goals before scoring a regular season goal. He then extended the record to six. Larkin has never been to the playoffs. It's pretty obvious. Larkin's been to the playoffs. Yeah, he has, right? Yeah, he's got goals in the playoffs. Yeah. It's pretty obvious that Helm deserves to be captain. Ooh, your methodology, Justin. Messing up there. Uh, with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for half a million. Thank you all for making us the biggest Red Wings podcast. Thank you all for joining us on this journey, for growing with us. Uh, we're excited for what's to come. Uh, we will see you all next week. Thank you to all of our name-level Patreon supporters. Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Don Mitchell, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Sean Levine, Kaylin Wood, Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Alant, Ryan Lewis, and Hannah Lee. You're all amazing. Uh, Evan and I have to run before Brad asks, asks us about kids again. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.